This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another interesting, inspiring, insightful, and opening your eyes and ears uh, to maybe other possibilities for you in your book's show. And with we're going to be doing is, as you know, I always want to give you ahas and insights and tips and definitely how-tos so both you as an author and your book can achieve author success and book marketing success. Um, as I love to start a show with is a quote from my book, Snappy, Sassy, Salty, Success, Wise Words for Authors and Writers. And today's quote is, writing and creating a book is like cooking. All you do is glare at a blank screen until your eyeballs are fried. So, or baked, maybe baked, I should say. So with that said, back again is the awesome Jane Wood. Jane is the author uh, five award-winning juvenile fiction books where she weaves history and science into the stories that are filled with mystery, adventure, and human humor for young readers ages 8 to 14. And what, what's cool about Jane is students and teachers alike love her when she's in the classroom, when she's in an auditorium, or they just are using her books as a guide on a specific topic. So we're going to talk about the schools and getting into schools. We'll kiss on that a little bit. But what we're going to also talk about is Jane's got a whole new book out called uh, and in a, a, a thing about using some of maybe a child's genealogy, a family's genealogy to to take forward and you can write with but she's got a book called finding family treasure and i just thought that it would be very cool to talk about the research that she went into it and then bringing it down to a level where kiddos will really understand that so jane if you're game i'm game to jump into this i'm game let's go all right so what gave you this ideal i'm going to start with that well, it's very interesting because I co-authored this book with a friend, another author I had known for years, and she is actually a genetic genealogist and uh, has written some wonderful adult historical fiction, but she approached me one day about three or four years ago and said, Jane, I'd really like to do a book that includes family history or introducing young readers to family history, but I've never written a kid's book. Uh, why don't we look at doing something, and at that point, I really wasn't interested in or planning on writing a new book, but I thought, well, let's, let's see. So we got together one day. She lives south of me, and we met halfway just to have lunch and talk about it and explore it a little. Well, 
obviously. By the time we left lunch, we had an outline for the story. And oh, fun. Yeah. I love it that. Was. It was fun. And then the research started. Exactly. You know, I have gotten more ideas on napkins in a restaurant, literally. Putting oh, stuff yeah. together oh, yeah. with someone. And there's and a synergy there. Yeah. When, when you yeah. connect with somebody that is excited about what they do, and I'm excited about what I do, and she was bringing her genealogy background to the table, and I was bringing mm-hmm. my background as a, a former teacher and then writing mm-hmm. kids' books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just, we married it together, and it was a very positive experience. Well, and, and, you know, that happens. And, I, you know, Jane, I'm planning on actually several lunches, but I, I have my Publishing at Sea cruise I do with authors every January. And I'm actually booked an extra week in doing a back-to-back because I am going to deep dive in. And when I come out of that second week, I will have my next book, the entire draft done. Oh, wow. What a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, that's that's what I do. I I'm I really do. Um, I'm a binge writer. You know, that's my step. But I get the idea. I start forming it. So the research. I, I I have all my stuff together before I ever get on that ship. I have everything I need with me, because one thing I have learned as a writer, and maybe you can kiss on this. Um, I've learned that once you start flowing, if you keep going back to keep doing more research in the middle of your writing. It'll slow you down like crazy. Just mark, okay, I need to check on this, verify, add, whatever, and then keep going. Um, and I'm, I've just learned to do that, that I may have some I holes. agree. I do a similar process, at least I did with my five-book series where I weave history into the stories. I do all the research in advance, and I read all the books, and I, I Google things that I don't quite understand. And then for me, the challenge is paring it down to make it very age-appropriate. There's a lot of things in history that um, we can skip over or we don't need to go into so much detail, but the kids need the basics if you're going to include history into a storyline. And so I do the same thing. I do all my research in advance, and then I sit down, and like you said, you just let the story flow. And and I think that's really important for all of you to just hear that part. If, if you don't, if, if you try to get everything perfect, which is going to kill you, by the way, if everything perfect from the get-go, it, it, your flow go, goes to zilch. That's my experience. Yeah. And it was, it was uh, a little unique with co-authoring with someone else and doing it all online and back and forth. I would get to a segment that needed her expertise, and I would just leave that blank and send that to her, and she would fill that in, and then I would continue on with the storyline. And, again, it worked out nicely because it didn't bog me down. It mm-hmm. allowed me to turn that part over to her. And same thing with her. She'd lateral it back to me, and then, of course, we would uh, we'd do a lot of editing. Mm. So, so, Jane, before we go on and, and get really more into the nitty-gritty here of, of your, your book on the, the new one book, Finding Family Treasure, um, I would love to have you talk about the partnering experience. How, how do you work that out? What was was uh, did you have a divorce clause in it in case it didn't work out? Did you, uh, <laughs> you know, how did you work out the financials? Did you just actually say, what we did is is we had long conversations about it. Luckily, we were pretty in sync right across the board, but we did form an LLC. So as you know, writing a book is a business, 
And yes. we spelled out who was going to be doing what. We spelled out the financial. We spelled out what happens if one of us dies, where do the rights go to. So we did all that in advance, but we also had a very, um, I don't know if you'd call it casual partnership relationship that we put in writing. And again, mm -hmm. that just told each of us who was going to do what, and um, it worked. Uh, once the writing started, we had all that out of the way, and uh, we did have to sit down together. We formed a bank account. Um, she had to drive up here, uh, and we sat down together and formed the bank account. And again, had discussions about the money and who's going to be doing what, and uh, it, it worked out very nicely for us. So I think everyone, as you listen to this, book publishing, book writing is a business. So when you bring in, especially, well, I think for you alone, but when you bring in others, boy, if you don't figure that out from the get-go, and I love what Jane said, that what happens if someone is unable to go forth, whether from incapacity, whether from um, they lose interest in the project. I don't, Jane, if you've ever had that, I've seen that happen with people. Um, or there's a death, or maybe you just decide you don't want to work with each other. Jane, I had a situation where I had to tell the one of the partners they needed to get rid of the other partner. It was oh. clear, it was absolutely clear she didn't bring anything to the party. It was very clear after working with them for a few months. And I'm figuring, how in the hell did he get in this spot? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Well, we, I think the big key is communication. You do the communicating before you ever write the first word, and you get on, on, you know, you bring up all the awkward or difficult subjects that might come up later and talk about them. And then as we were in the writing process, we did a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls, a lot of quick texts, and uh, it worked. It worked. But, yes, you have, to, you have to talk about it, and you have to put it in writing. And get it and get it in writing, um, and I think that's important. Okay, so let's jump over. Um, your partner and this book was about genealogy. So let, g give us a synopsis about what the book is about. Well, um, I always try to make my books compatible with some of the school curriculum because mm. I sell most of my books directly to schools, and I'm a former teacher. I want kids reading, but I also want them learning. And so I, when I knew we were going to do family history, we had to come up with a hook that would bring it back to the classroom. And so we identified a class of fifth graders that is researching the American Revolution and the founding of our country, which is part of the curriculum for most schools across the country, but specifically in Florida where she and I live. And I knew that would be a market for us. So we, the premise of the story is a class of fifth graders is learning about the founding of our country. And the teacher comes in one day, and she says she wants them to understand what the melting pot that is America, both past and present, because it's not just about names and dates of the American Revolution and getting into civics and government. It's about the people. And the people who make up America are from many different cultures and many different backgrounds. And, of course, that's a very timely issue right now. And so we decided mm -hmm. that would be how we would approach this subject. And then as we get into the storyline, we identify about six or eight okay. characters. 
who are researching their family history, and they right. discover connections to history, okay, relatives so, that had witnessed or experienced some all right, part hold of the thought. All right, hold the thought there. We're going to take our first break, and now we're going to come back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author You Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. AuthorU is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, AuthorU is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms. And it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author U today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me is Jane Wood, and we are really talking about her latest book that she partnered co-authored with um, uh, Kale Knight, and it's called Finding Family Treasure. This is for kiddos. Um, Jane has a fabulous reputation in uh, her writing um, and working, actually speaking, with, with uh, schools, and she has really developed a very sophisticated strategy you know i think that you all should know about this uh, uh, on that and what she's done but the, i'm just going to jane if you don't mind i'd like to mention your your other book which i think is a rock star it's called schools a niche market for authors so if you've got kids if you're writing for kids uh, you need to have this book as the ideal reference she's just done an update post covid and on how to really work and succeed in the school market. So, Jane, I, I hope you don't mind me segueing there. No, no. And it fits in beautifully with the Finding Family Treasure book that we wrote. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to market and sell your books to schools, 
you've got to have a book that reinforces what the teachers are having to teach. And so you need to learn a little bit about the curriculum at the different grade levels because that's your, your audience, your reader audience. Um, obviously, you're writing books for kids, so that's your primary audience in your content of your story, but it's the schools, the teachers, the media specialists, the librarians that are going to buy the book. So if you want to sell the book, then you've got to make it worthy of their time and their budget. And you know schools today, they're very limited in their time and their budgets. They are. And so one of the things... Just before we took a break, Jane kissed on the curriculum that she identified. Uh, she, she, I mean, she's got the background in teaching for years and years, but she really is tuned into the school market. That's that's her niche, and that she knew that schools have curriculums. So you, you know, if you're writing, um, if you really want to be beloved with librarians in schools. If you can do something that ties in with their curriculum, it sounds like that's the home run. Am I right, Jane? Or That's exactly it. It's, right. it's got to have educational value. There are so many good and cute books out there uh, that you're competing against, but cute is not enough to be able to sell into the, the school market. They'll buy a few copies, but I sell large quantities, bulk quantities of books to schools because they'll use one of my books with the entire class and sometimes an entire grade level. And your book has to be contributing back to what the teachers have in their lesson plans or they're not going to buy it. All right. So we're talking, um, are we talking primarily books that are like in the chapter book format then? My books, my books are chapter books. Um, okay. Usually it's third, fourth, fifth grade, although... When I first started writing, it was definitely fourth and fifth, and now I find kids are reading much earlier. Sometimes I get first and second graders, and it's interesting. I have a market with middle schools and sometimes high schools for what they call the, the reluctant readers, and these are kids that aren't reading on grade level. So in yeah. middle school, they put them in a special class where they are improving their reading skills, and so the kids will read my book as opposed to another book that they would consider a baby book, too young for them. So my books, I try to keep them interesting and fun so that even a 7th or an 8th grader would enjoy it as well. As a reluctant reader, I love that phrase, reluctant reader. All right, so in your new book, The the Finding Family Treasure, that you partnered, co-wrote, that one of the things that um, I, I did a program uh, in October of this year, one of my my book marketing and social media unplugged, and one of the I went I went through like the the, the eleven trends, current trends that are going to be flowing into 2023, and one of them was the diversity word, um, and especially with children's books, but I don't care what age we're talking about, you've got it, you've got to really be tuned into the diversity factor. Could you kiss on that a little bit? Oh, certainly. And that was actually one of the first things we talked about when we were brainstorming the, the book. We wanted to talk about diversity and connections because if you go into a classroom today, you're going to see a very diverse, at least most classrooms, public schools, you're going to see a very diverse population. And these are kids that are going to grow up together, and these are people that are going to be in the workforce together and in the neighborhoods together. And so 
dealing with diversity is a very hot topic right now uh, in schools. It's also a little bit controversial, and we kind of tiptoed around that a little bit, but we decided that these were important things to discuss, the multiculturalism, the tolerance, uh, even somewhat getting into racism, and uh, we just decided that we would deal with it in an age-appropriate manner, and then a teacher could take it to wherever he or she wanted it to go, again, keeping it very age-appropriate. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, it, and even if you're not using illustrations, which people always think diversity would be illustrations, you know, that in, in young kids' books, the different hues and colors that we'd use for images, but it's really so much more. Well, know? we did need to identify our characters. And yes. normally uh, you're very careful about how you do that. But yes, we had to identify certain characters as black certain characters as Hispanic. Um, We learned different terms that are different trends now. I always thought of African-American, and I was quickly told, no, it's black today. I was referring to slaves, and they now want to be referred to as enslaved people. So there were a lot of sensitivity Mm -hmm. issues that we uh, tuned into and tried to respect. Mm-hmm. You know, Jane, um, I love you. Brought I love you brought this up because I've always referred to black, 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 black is black, um, and that now you you mentioned slaves versus enslaved people. Is there? Do you have any hints that might help a writer, when our listeners to to identify? Is this really the, the trending, or could this just be a fatty thing? Do you know what I mean here? I do, and what I do with all of my research is I go to the people I'm talking about. For example, in this book, um, we talk a little bit about the uh, 1619, the first Africans Mm -hmm. that were Mm -hmm. brought to Virginia Mm -hmm. in 1619, Mm -hmm. which was a very popular topic a few years ago because of their special anniversary. We talk about slavery, the Underground Railroad, and so... We would go to people that deal with that. Sometimes it's with the National Park. Uh, We have a segment in there on Lewis and Clark Expedition. So I called the people at the the nonprofit of the Lewis and Clark Expedition. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Ellis Island. We talk about Ellis Island because four of our characters had relatives that immigrated here from Europe through Ellis Island. So I worked with uh, one of the librarians at Ellis Island. And after I do my research and we write our, our manuscript, we would send those chapters that apply to them to those people. We get, you know, we get to know them. We email, we phone call, and we say, please look at this and tell us if there's anything in there that is, is wrong or inappropriate or what you would add or change. And that has been very, very helpful for me. Oh, that's just smart to do. I mean, so what we're telling all of you is there, it's just not out of your head. It's just not your imagination. If you're writing anything that has a historical tie to it, you better verify it. That's and, what and I'm you can't hearing. trust Google. I mean, you got to no. go to Google to get background information, but we go to the source. I tell a funny story about my book, Lost in Boston, where my characters visit the Old North Church. And mm-hmm. I had a comment in my original manuscript that... Um, the person that had to run up to the top of the church to hang the the lanterns of one if by land, two if by sea, ran up right. uh-huh. 14 flights. 
And when I sent it to the educator at the Old North Church, she says, no, 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 it's not 14 flights, it's eight flights. And I said, that's not what you have on your website. And she went, oh, my gosh. So I actually helped her correct something. But I immediately Mm -hmm. send it to the people that are the experts because we certainly want to be accurate if it's going into schools. And we certainly don't want to offend somebody by putting erroneous information in there. Right. Well, I mean, you're in Florida, Jane. You do a lot of work in Florida. Um, I, I just have to ask that is... Uh, are you being hit? Do you know anyone who's being hit in some of the banning that's going on? Well, it's an issue, and mm-hmm. uh, we knew it was brewing before we released the book. The book came out in January of this year, mm-hmm. um, and we decided to go ahead and write the book because we keep it age-appropriate, but we also used teachers as beta readers, and every single teacher that read the manuscript came back to us and said, we would definitely use this in our classroom because you deal with it in a way that we can deal with it. Now, yes, Mm -hmm. there is some pushback. There's going to be some schools that will not use it because Mm -hmm. topics like slavery and the Holocaust Mm -hmm. um, are touchy subjects. But Mm -hmm. they're also part of of history, and they're part Mm -hmm. of the curriculum. So our goal was to deal with it in an age-appropriate manner because they're going to get much more details about those issues as they matriculate to middle school and high school. And and thank you for doing that um, because it, it is, we're all watching, you know, all the authors are all over what's going on in Texas, what's going on in Florida, how, how will it affect us, will we be impacted, will we go on the illustrious list of banned books? And I said, well, I think maybe you might be proud of that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I I know there are teachers that are having difficulty, not necessarily with our book, but just with those topics, several topics in general. And and I ache for them. Um, uh, It would be very awkward and very difficult. And there are educators that are leaving the profession because of it. I know. I've read about that. And that that makes that breaks my heart because they're usually the really good ones that just say, I I, I agree. I've had it. I remember years and years ago when my my kids were in the age that you're writing for, and they read so far ahead of themselves, so far ahead of themselves. And this one teacher just was just stellar. And she didn't get picked up because, you know, she was there two years and she was probably the single best teacher that I had come across where I could tell other teachers were like talking to a daffodil. I'm going, holy moly, how are you still here? And, and she wasn't continued because, you know, tenure. And I'm just going. I could tell another story about a teacher. The same thing happened and finally jumped from school to school within Mm -hmm. the district and then finally left the profession. Yep. That's what she did. Single best teacher I've ever had um, experience as a parent, as a parent um, in doing all that. All right. With me is Jane Wood. She is the co-author of Finding Family Treasure. Uh, she is author, uh, also just say the author, and I'm going to recommend this to all of you, of a book called Schools, a Niche Market for Authors. If you are writing for kiddos, um, you want to get her book. So we're talking about partnering, putting together a book. We're talking about doing, bringing something, the genealogy, into writing um, and creating books out of that. We'll be right back. It's Author You, your guide to book publishing.
is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me is Jane Wood. She's an author of five award-winning fiction books. She's got a new one out this year um and these are for kiddos and and i'm talking about i'm not talking about the four to five year olds i'm talking about the kids who are reading like chapter books and how do you structure them and and put them together and in her case there was deep diving with a lot of research including involving parents and okaying parents and their input so jane i would love 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 to have you go through kind of the step-by-step process you did to bring the finding family treasure book alive well uh, of course i had a a co-author and we came up with an outline and a premise of the story and the premise is this this group of fifth graders is going to start researching their family histories very early in the story the teacher writes a letter home to the parents describing the project and saying if there's anyone that prefers their child not participate because it's a privacy issue, that she will find something else, uh, another assignment for them to do. And we do have one character in the book, a boy who doesn't want to do the project because his father doesn't like to talk about his family because there's some history there. And so, and what's interesting is by the end of the story, it's it's resolved nicely but I'm not going to tell you how. you got to read the book to find out. But we deal with with that issue. And um, so we encourage the kids. The very first step in the storyline is the teacher assigns the kids to go home and talk to their parents and their grandparents and their aunts and uncles to find out about their family's history. And obviously, and you know this, They'll learn things they've never heard before because nobody mm-hmm. ever brought it up. And so the teacher actually gives them a what we call a family history worksheet, and it's very basic. It's got you know a family tree starting with the child and then the two parents and the grandparents, and that's as far as it goes. But in the storyline, a genealogist comes to the class and teaches the kids how to go online and do some research. 
So we had to use a lot of uh, sensitivity in some of these areas. One of our characters is adopted. Uh, like I said, one of the characters, his dad doesn't like to talk about his family. And another character, the father doesn't like to talk about it because he had relatives that disappeared during the Holocaust. So um, we had to tiptoe around some of those, but we, we deal with them. But I think it's very important with any topic today, like diversity, multiculturalism, tolerance, racism, immigration, anti-Semitism, you've got to refer them back to the home, and you need to talk to your parents about this, because uh, that's, that's what parents want. That's what I would want. I want, would want my kids to get my feelings towards any topic. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and some of those topics are, are really sensitive, because you do have as you know, deniers out there. This didn't happen. This didn't exist. This is all, you know, BS side of thing. And so do you ad- address the, uh, when they start doing the reveal that, that um, when people poo poo what they share? No. Um, well, actually we do. Kids can be cruel. And one of the kids yeah. is always making fun of the other kids and, and, mm. uh, and some of the things mm-hmm. they discover and uh, we, that's because when I write my stories, I try to make the kids be very realistic. I, I like to throw some humor in there because kids like a fun story, but I make the kids as realistic as I can. So we have a bully in there, and we have uh, kids that, that are a little embarrassed, are, are very shy, and don't want to talk about things in general just because they're shy. So we've created a classroom of kids, I think, that are very typical, and it makes it easy for a teacher in the classroom, if they're reading this book, to address some of these issues without pointing to a child that's sitting in a seat in that classroom who is shy or somebody who doesn't want to talk about their family or someone who is adopted. They can talk about it through the characters, and hopefully... You know, it's like with anything, we've, we've got to talk about these things. We've got to get them out in the open. And again, I say, in an age-appropriate manner. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd like to, how, how, what happens with the adoption thing? I mean, there's open and closed adoptions. Um, oh, I'm, well, in I'm, this case, uh, and we introduced that boy in the very first chapter, and mm-hmm. he is aware that he's adopted, Mm-hmm. And uh, they finally have that discussion with his mother once they start talking family history because he says, I don't know where my grandparents came from. I don't know my great-grandparents. And the family embraces that and decides to help him do his research and, in fact, invites one of his biological uncles to come visit so that they can talk. And it's a it's a very nice, uh, powerful mm-hmm. meeting because the boy who says, I don't know anything about my background, you know, it's just that cloudy area, all of a sudden things are coming into focus for him. And that's part of what getting kids to research their family history is all about, letting them focus on where they came from and finding the very powerful stories that uh, their ancestors may have experienced. Mm. Uh, Jane, I, I have to do a share aside. <laughs> One of the a conference I spoke at years and years ago, several of us speakers were, you know, pr- publishing professionals were had dinner afterwards, and we were doing a share. And I said, "Well, tell us something. We, you know, we all know each other a little bit that we don't know about you." The last guy who spoke said, "I was kidnapped," and the it was oh and it 
And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And he went on to reveal that he lived in a very poor, poor community, Pennsylvania, something like that. Very poor community. His, the kids just ran around. No one paid any attention. There was no parenting. There was just no overview. And this family that was living next door to this other family that was really a mess, um, we're getting ready to move. And this little, this little boy, you know, he's, he's like a one and a half was always over there, you know, diaper hanging of just, just a mess. They're getting ready to move to California. And they, the mom and dad just looked at each other. They just picked up the baby and took him with them. Oh. The best thing that ever happened to him. The oh. best thing. Yes, the, the, what they did for him, what he did, he says, I would not have become what I am. But, and he eventually went back and found those people. And he was just saying, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for taking me. I mean, it was, it was an amazing story. I mean, Oh, we were, wow. Yeah. We, we were mesmerized. Oh, mesmerized. sure. And the fact that he could talk about it was obviously healthy for him. Oh, oh, yes, he went on to join the Air Force, became a, a comp, a, a, an incredibly accomplished person. And he said, none of that would have ever happened if I wasn't taken from Pennsylvania to California. Educated, loved, cared for. And he went back, he found the siblings. Two of them were druggies. Two of them were in prison. I mean, it, it was a mess. It was a mess. Oh, wow. So sometimes well, and one of the things know. we tried to point out in, in the book with the kids is they discovered things about ancestors that had it very rough. Immigrants that came over here had mm -hmm. it very rough, but they survived. And they yes. wanted, you know, a better life for their kids and grandkids. And it gave them, the, the students in the story, a whole new appreciation for their grandparents and their great-grandparents. And um, that was one of the messages that we wanted to share. Mm -hmm. and, and that is really important. You do you do find out weird things. <laughs> oh yeah, when, and I've been when, doing oh, some you know, uh, research of my family history, and I still yeah. find out things. And I'm always <laughs> amazed. How did they How did they deal with this? How did they survive this? One of yeah. our characters in the book uh, finds out her great great grandfather was a Tuskegee Airman, and that was a rough time. And yet, yes. you know, she's very proud of the fact that that he was a part of that group. Yes. Same thing with some of the other characters. And again, you know, from my perspective, I'm introducing some history into a story. So kids that have never heard of the Tuskegee Airmen or the Lewis and Clark Expedition or the Underground Railroad, now they're getting some exposure to those things. And some of them are even connected to it. Which is, and, and some of them will come back with pride. You know, oh. there's a pride, pride factor. Oh, that's, that was our goal. That was our goal. All right. So step by step, in in if so, if you're doing this, is is one of the things to kind of spur in from the book that that the reader gets inspired to maybe let's find out about our family history. Is that one of your goals here? Oh, certainly. I I just spoke at a, a library presentation last week, and and luckily some of the parents stayed with the kids, and immediately the kids were turning to the parents and asking questions, and. Uh, my, my partner, who's a genetic genealogist, is a whole lot better at giving guidance on all that, but we direct them to a certain websites, uh, mostly at the level that we're at, third, fourth, fifth grade, 
We are encouraging the kids, these are our, our young readers, to go home and talk to their parents and their grandparents and aunts and uncles and learn things they'd never heard before and gain a new appreciation for their family and the family's background, particularly now with holidays coming up, they're going to be seeing aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents and, you know, people that, that they probably just see once or twice a year, but dig a little deeper, find out who they are and what their background is. So, Jane, if you're going to do that digging a little deeper, um, and we have to, we have a couple of minutes to our final break here, but if you're going to do that little digging deeper, what kind of questions should a you know, kids be encouraged to ask that will take them beyond how old are you, Grandma? Or, or you know. Oh, it starts with where did you grow up? Uh, what were your brothers and sisters like? Did you have brothers and sisters? What kinds of games did you play? Put it on a, on a very kid level initially. And then uh, if they, hopefully, the, the parents or the grandparents and the others are going to be forthcoming with other things, ask them things like, what was the most exciting thing you ever did? Uh, where did you, what was the most exciting place you ever visited or the person that you met? Make it very, very personal, but very um, on a level that a child could relate to because they're not going to have the historical background to dig deep into some of those subjects. Hopefully some of that will come up, but keep it on a very family personal level and things that kids would relate to. I mean, we hear the stories all the time about, oh, when I was your age and whether it was walking five miles to school in the snow or, you know, the joke in our house now is television. And well, we only had three channels and we didn't have a remote control. You had to get somebody to go change the channel. Exactly. The technology has changed so much. So those are all starting points because every kid is going to have a phone or a tablet. And that's a good conversation starter right there. Oh, it is. There, there's a hoot of a video that shows they, they put an old-fashioned phone and they ask these kids to call out. They they couldn't figure out how to dial, you know, the old ring, you, you know, where you ring around and it turned and it come back, click, 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 and then you dial the next number. Do you remember those days? Oh, <laughs> they but what about figure a party line? Oh, oh, I love the party line. I just listened in. All right, so we're gonna we'll be right back with our final segment with the fabulous Jane Wood, um, and we're really talking about maybe taking your writing another direction. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy 
Build your brand and platform and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. we're back with our final segment and I and I can't let Jane go without really diving into um, speaking in schools using teachers an invaluable resource and even in times right now are a little dicey for these teachers as Jane revealed in a previous segment a lot of them are jumping ship yeah it's it's rough and I try to make it as easy on the teachers as possible uh, certainly, I make available to do uh, author visits to schools. I do them in person uh, locally, and I do them across the country uh, when I'm traveling. But I do a lot of virtual author presentations, and that's fun, too. And I've done them with kids in India and Spain and all over the world. But one of the things I do to help teachers is I create resources that make it easy for them to use the book. Now, those resources can include vocabulary words. I go through chapter by chapter and find words that I think will be challenging, and I create that list so that the teacher can go over those before they read those chapters, and, and the teacher doesn't have to research that. It's all done for her or him. I also do discussion questions, making it easy for the teacher, because a lot of teachers Sunday night are saying, oh, we're doing this book tomorrow. I haven't really thought about what I'm going to do. I hand it to them on a silver platter. I do uh, word search puzzles for the kids. I have another thing that I've developed for my other five books called the Electronic Scavenger Hunt. And I send the kids, the students, to ten websites, and I have it in a, in a document that there's a link to that website that is obviously connected to something with the storyline, the history of the book. And then I ask the kids a question, and they have to go to that website to find the answer. And that does two things. Number one, they learn a little more history about that particular area or that event or person. 
and they're reinforcing their computer skills. They go into a website and uh, discover things. Sometimes I'm sending them to the local newspaper of the place that um, I'm profiling in the story, and they have to to find out some something that would be helpful to them in the future. Now, that's easy for me to do. I'm a former teacher. I have a master's degree in education. For authors out there who don't know how to do that, number one, they can do the vocabulary words and the discussion questions probably. Anything beyond that, um, a list of standards that it connects them to, which I also do, find a teacher to do that for you. Pay them. Teachers are always looking for ways to make extra money, and they'd be very flattered to be asked. So if you can find a teacher that's in your target audience grade level, Ask them uh, specifically whether you're going to do a puzzle or you're going to correlate it to standards or even the discussion questions. What you as an author might think is a good discussion question might go way over the heads of the students, but a teacher mm-hmm. knows mm-hmm. exactly what mm-hmm. to ask. So I suggest, so, you know, find a teacher, an educator, and ask them to help you do that and offer to pay them, even if it's 100 bucks, $200. Bucks. Um, teachers are very, very helpful. Well, not only that, a lot of you may not know that teachers underwrite a lot of the stuff in their classrooms for their students. They bring in supplies. They do all kinds of goodies. So offering, you know, some money, whether 100 or 200, as Jane says, to, to create that word puzzle that you would love to have that would be so appropriate. I mean, I mean, they may have tools already. Um, what what uh, uh, puzzles? Uh, what other what other goodies? Oh, they think- do. They they yeah. they they are masters at finding those kinds of resources to bring in the classroom. You're just trying to infuse it with your storyline or whatever mm-hmm. it is your mm-hmm. history or science or whatever you're trying to to promote. Uh, they're masters at doing that. Mm-hmm. And here's the other side of it, everyone: that you've now created a new partner. When all of a sudden they have a, a kind of a vested interest in in this puzzle or the word game or whatever goodie comes up that becomes an integral part of a presentation you might do in the classroom, it's a home run. To me, that's a home run. And I call them my champions. They're my ah. champion teachers or librarians or media specialists. They're good at what they do. So as I do with all of my publishing of my books, anything I'm not good at, I pay somebody to do it for me so it looks professional and it's good. So why not pay a teacher to develop some of these resources for you? Because that's what they're good at. And, and it's it totally relevant. That's the right word. And I, I, I was uh, at a book fair um, a couple of weeks ago and several te- uh, librarians actually stopped by the table. And I just said, I, I just, I, I just want to take a moment to thank you for all the work you do. Um, and, and I've always said that, you know, I it's so easy to go to the Google. I love the Google um, and the research. But, boy, when you have a great librarian, they can take you into sections that even the Google doesn't know about. Um, oh, yeah. And then they will champion your book. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not only are they a champion to you, but they will champion your book. You get the best reviews from uh, librarians and teachers and media specialists. Uh, and they're going to promote your book. Same thing with bookstores. You find a bookstore that really embraces your book, likes your book. When people walk in and they're looking for, oh, I need a book for my nephew. He's 10 and he likes this. And if they throw your book's name out, you know, that's that's a win-win. Mm-hmm. 
It's a huge win-win um, on that. And when, once you do that, I mean, I've known authors who have become truly a national best-selling authors when they first started on the path and nobody showed up and doing that, that they would really sit down with the staff and educate them and, and help them out on with their topic. This is really in the nonfiction arena. Those books took off because they had champions. All of a sudden, champions. Exactly. I've never done a Barnes & Noble book signing where I don't go early or the day before and I meet a lot of the staff members because mm -hmm. they're the ones that connect with the buyers and the shoppers that are walking in. And if they go back to the children's department and I've spent some time with one of the, the people that works in that department, they'll send them back up to the front. Oh, Jane Wood is up there. You, you're, I bet your niece or your nephew or your grandson mm -hmm. would really like one of her books. Go talk to her. You're so right, and I'm a big fan, actually, of Barnes & Noble. They have, they this last two years, they have aggressively turned around wanting to work um, much more in the community and with indie authors. Indie yes, they authors. will. Yeah, if um, your book is good, you know, it, they get a lot oh, of no. books that they, they turn away. Absolutely. They tell me that all the time. But if your book is good and you make the extra effort, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I like Barnes & Noble, too. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of BNN, and and also you should know that BNN has an independent um, newsletter that they chat up people internally within it. So if you have a home run in a store, the odds are a lot of stores are going to know that. So, but I gotta say, I love the independent bookstores. They Me too. are wonderful. Um, I sell a lot of books through them, and I do my book signings there. Independent bookstores are are great resources for readers. No, that, that, there's there's no question about that. I'm just saying a lot of people think they can't get into BNN, and you can. You can. But there's you just have to work at it a little bit. Yep. All right. So, Jane, resources. We've got connections. Um, what, what are some of the resources that you'd like to recommend for an author? I know we only have a few minutes left here. Um, to well, start down I think these probably the thing that helped me the most is uh, joining professional organizations like IBPA, Independent Book Publishers Association, um, uh, my local one, Florida Authors and Publishers Association. I like to listen to a lot of webinars and Zoom meetings. Um, the industry is changing so mm. rapidly, daily, things change that I try to listen in and learn from other people just to stay on top of what's going on up to date. But attending conferences, webinars, uh, connecting with other authors, picking their brain and sharing, that's been the most helpful for me uh, in my writing and publishing career. Yeah, me too. Well, it's, and it is connecting both. I, you know, my preference is always in person because I like that extended relationships. But, you know, I, as I, I mentioned when we started the show, I did an eight hour Zoom uh, conference that I normally just do in person. Um, we were, we were family, we were community, 20 of them. We had a great time. But I know how to hot seat people, I know how to keep the engagement going on, and, and I work them. But there, it, you can, develop those relationships. You don't have to be just a passive participant, at least the instructor. Right. It's got to be a, a two-way street. And there, it, all those resources are out there. Make those connections, network, um, and exchange phone numbers and emails and websites. And that's how you learn. That's how you stay on top. It, exactly. All right. So 
Where can we find your books, Jane? Well, we have a website called FindingFamilyTreasure.com. It's available through Ingram and Follett for uh, bookstores, libraries. Obviously, it's on Amazon. Um, Many independent bookstores carry it. It's also with Overdrive for libraries that want to add it to their uh, collection. Mm -hmm. And then um, my books are all available on my website, which is janewoodbooks.com. So there's multiple places where uh, Finding Family Treasure can be found. So that's where you all want to look and and start building your reference. So Jane has been talking about the genealogy. So if you're thinking about those, if you're a if you're a kids author, even even an adult author, you know a lot of uh, a, a lot of you who write for the adult community, you have the capability of shifting down and maybe a lot of your topics, your ideas, um, your wisdom would be perfect for that third, fourth, fifth grade level. I think you should just think. Oh, and don't forget the high school audience. There's a lot Uh, of adult fiction, as long as it's appropriate. mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. there's nothing in there that's going to be inappropriate. Uh, A lot of books, uh, teachers love, high school teachers love to have authors come and speak because there's a lot of kids in those classes that want to be writers someday. Mm -hmm. And why not you be a role model for them? That's what I'm going to say. Jane Wood, thank you so much for being with us again today. (laughs) Oh, I've enjoyed it immensely. And if anybody has questions for me, they can reach me at jane at janewoodbooks.com. And there you go, everyone. So thank you all for spending this past hour with us. Your authoring and publishing success is always up to you. And remember, your words matter. Let's get the mountain supported. We'll see you next week. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryle.